Talking industry, topical debate from the world of engineering, automation and manufacturing. A DFA Manufacturing Media Production. Brought to you by Smart Futures. The latest news from the only online portal dedicated to the future of digitalization. Visit smartfutures.org.uk. Hello and welcome to another Talking Industry podcast. My name's Erin Blutstein and I'm Managing Editor for Smart Futures Portal and Plant and Works Engineering Magazine. I'm joined today by Dave Atkinson, Lloyds Banking's Regional Director for SME and Mid-Corporates and Banking, um, Midlands and South Wales and UK Head of Manufacturing, SME and Mid-Corporates. <laughs> um, Dave has 34 years experience in the banking industry, um, having joined Lloyds Banking Group in 1988 and has since held various client relationship management and senior leadership roles within the group. Um, Dave has led the SME and mid-corporates manufacturing sector across the UK since 2014 and has primary responsibility as regional director for the SME and mid-corporate commercial banking division across Midlands and South Wales. Dave, thanks for joining me for this Talking Industry podcast today. You're I've welcome. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> I've known you now for quite a few years, so I'm genuinely looking forward to finding a little bit more about your background and how you got involved in banking and the manufacturing sector. Um, I think to start with, if you don't mind, if you could just explain a little bit more about your role at Lloyd's and, and how this relates to manufacturing in the UK. Yeah, of course. And uh, Aaron, thank you uh, very much for uh, inviting me along today. Delighted to uh, uh, share a few thoughts. Um, so my, my role um, at the moment um, is, um, is is that of uh, responsibility for leading a team of around 60 to 70 colleagues across the Midlands and South Wales region. Uh, those managers in turn uh, have the responsibility of working with the clients that bank with us across that geographical region of the Midlands and South Wales uh, sort of conurbations. Uh, we generally look after businesses turning over up to around about £100 million a year in uh, in turnover. And uh, across that region, we look after all sectors uh, of, the, uh, of the business community, with the exception of agriculture, which is looked after by a, a separate specialist, uh, a, a separate specialist team. And the, um, the the role that my managers play is that of um, of um, sort of relationship manager working with those businesses that kindly entrust us uh, with the responsibility to be their bankers, and they have a face to face local relationship in the local conurbations where they live and work, uh, in order to support those businesses with the challenges and the opportunities that they face into. So, if a uh, if a client has got an opportunity to invest or to expand their business, um, then our relationship managers will work with them to understand the best way uh, of either supporting them directly or connecting them with the right people to be able to help, depending on what their specific needs are. Um, and equally, if there are opportunities to engage and connect them with other um, sort of professionals in the business community, then, you know, we say our role as that of being a connector as well. So, um, you know, we uh, we don't necessarily have the solutions personally um, at Lloyd's for every single thing that that client needs. Um, but through the professional connections and the uh, and the relationships that we have in the business community, it could well be that we can connect our clients to other um, sort of industry uh, sort of specialists or uh, other 
professionals that can help them with, uh, as I say, either their opportunities uh, or the challenges that they face. We see our role very much as delivering the group's purpose, which is all about helping Britain prosper. And, um, you know, we bank a significant portion, around one in five clients uh, in the UK, um, or rather, should I say, one in five businesses in the UK bank with us as clients. So we have a huge responsibility, which we uh, which we don't take lightly to support those businesses. Right. I mean, it sounds like you're really at the thick end of manufacturing, really. <laughs> you know, you, you're seeing exactly um, the, the issues which which people are actually facing and, uh, and, and the troubles, I suppose. And uh, it must be quite interesting from your perspective to to see, you know, the, the, you know, the various changes in manufacturing. Aaron, it's um, it's it's an uh, it's an amazing privilege to uh, to do the role that I do, and uh, of course, it's not just manufacturing across the Midlands and South Wales that we look after, but we look after uh, every segment um, of the business community, from real estate, from construction, wholesale, retail, uh, property investment, as I say, right the way through um, to uh, and including manufacturing. Uh, I guess the privilege I've had for the last eight to ten years is to support our manufacturing sector more broadly across the whole of the UK. So uh, whilst I don't lead the individual regions across the whole of the UK, um, I do have the responsibility to make sure our teams are well equipped, well informed, and that we've got the right proposition and the right um, thought leadership going out to our managers so that they can consistently help and support and connect uh, our manufacturing clients, uh, as I say, across um, everywhere from Peter's Head down to Penzance, really. So um, it's an amazing privilege. Um, it's uh, it, it's 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 one of the most dynamic sectors I've ever had the uh, uh, the opportunity to work to work in. And uh, I guess I'm one of the lucky ones that gets out of bed in the morning with a, a bounce in my spine because I, I just love what I do. Because the uh, I just love working with the sector. You know, it's dynamic. It's interesting. Um, you know, and no two days are the same. Fantastic. Um, I mean, can I just take you back 34, well, not quite 34 years, but, you know, taking you back to the beginning of, of your career, if you, if you don't mind, yeah. how, did you, how did you get into, um, into banking and, and, and how did your, you know, your formative years shape where you are today? I'll probably take you back further than 34 years, if I may, just um, uh, to, to give you some proper context. Um, but um, when I was uh, when I was at school, um, and sadly, um, I lost my mom at uh, at an early age, and uh, dad was um, um, you know sort of out of the military, out of the fire service, and then um, ended up working for a sand casting business uh, in the Black Country in the uh, in the Midlands. And um, during my uh, informative years, as I think you very politely um, sort of uh, put them. Um, I can still hear dad's dulcet tones now, you know, during the school holidays. Um, Son, you're not hanging around on street corners with your mates, you're coming to work with me. So um, during my school holidays, that's exactly what I did. And I went to work with him um, at the uh, at the sandcasting foundry where he worked as a production control um, sort of manager. And it was, you know what, it was, I mean, health and safety had never, ever allow a young lad to walk around, um, you know, sort of uh, hot um, hot metals and um, and pattern makers and factory floors these days would they but it was fascinating um, just watching the pattern makers um, make uh, you know those patterns out of sand uh, you also learn at a, a young age that green sand isn't green um, and sadly uh, my misinformed youth was also spent in the stores 
looking for things like a long weight and right-handed screwdrivers and left-handed hammers and tubs of elbow grease but that was the uh, that was the lads and the engineers on the factory floor having their fun with a a misinformed youth at the time but uh, I, I guess so, so that taught me a lot because I also found it particularly interesting and particularly fascinating listening to the pattern makers talk about contraction rates and plugs and deburring and uh, all those fascinating things that those highly skilled guys um, sort of do. Um, I guess having spent many an hour in the stores looking for things that never existed, I also realised that I was never going to make it as an engineer. So uh, uh, I guess it was uh, where do I then take my career? Um, jump forward a few years, I had um, the privilege to start working for Lloyd's. Um, so I, I started on the tills, um, serving the clients, serving the customers in a retail branch. Um, I actually started my career um, on the Villa Cross in Lazelles, just at the time that the um, then um, very sad situation of the uh, the Hansworth riots um, were starting. So it was also uh, a very interesting and educational journey to work every day across two or three buses and uh, and wandering down through uh, you know what was obviously uh, you know very sad circumstances at the time. Um, I, I did all the things that I guess people did that joined the bank all those years ago and spent time working on all sorts of roles and learning the basics and then um, jumped forward a, a fair few years and I, uh, I landed at uh, Wolverhampton branch and I had the opportunity there to become a business relationship manager which was uh, which was super exciting and um, at the time because um, you uh, you didn't really um, well, I certainly didn't have much of an idea uh, on what I was doing all those years ago. Um, the one thing I did understand a little bit about, however, was manufacturing. So when all my colleagues were excited to be going out and seeing a building site or a, a retail store, um, you know, my head was always turned to the uh, the, uh, the foundries and the factories in and around the black country. And when you wander into a, a factory floor and you start talking to someone, about press brake machinery and deburring and um, you know picking the, the swarf out your shoes at the end of the night and having a laugh that your dad was uh, having a moan at you about uh, sort of pulling the carpet with the the metal threads that were uh, sticking out the soles of your shoes. I, I guess that just uh, drove the excitement even further. Um, and then if I jump forward even further to ten years ago, um, the business came out uh, or the bank was just emerging from the uh, the grips of the financial crisis um, at the time and um, I remember the uh, the chatter um, around uh, you know if we are a purpose-driven organization with a view to helping Britain prosper where should we be investing our time to develop propositions to support clients to support industry to support the UK economy recover and uh, many listening to the uh, recording will be very familiar with the statistics that we regularly quote, you know, two and a half million jobs, over 50% of all of the UK exports, about 65% of all business investment. Um, uh, you know, uh, it, it's a significant contribution to the UK economy that creates jobs, creates wealth, creates innovative new ideas. Um, and um, we, uh, we started talking about creating a proposition to specifically to support our manufacturers um, and um, because of my excitement, enthusiasm and I guess 
somewhat better developed knowledge now um, at this stage of my career, um, I was given the opportunity to do just that, to go away and create and then launch and then lead a proposition to support UK manufacturing and uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. So um, that's uh, that was the excitement that I had. And that's why I say, you know, eight to 10 years later, whilst I've also got the responsibility for a region and, um, you know, a number of colleagues working with those clients um, in a geographical location, I still have the privilege to uh, to lead our manufacturing um, sort of uh, support uh, and the development and the significant investment that we put into support in the sector. So uh, hopefully that gives you a little bit of a flavour as to why uh, I have that spring in my step when I get out of bed in the morning, because, um, you know, I love working with the sector and always have done. I mean, it's, it sounds like your your experience has really shaped your your ability to kind of communicate with with manufacturers. And would you say that that's that's roughly correct? Well, it's interesting. It's interesting you said that because when when I first went out to talk to manufacturers about if we were going to create a proposition, um, you know, we wanted to listen to the sector. What are the things that you think we should be doing, and what are the things that you don't think we do very well at the moment? This is going back to uh, where are we now? Probably about 2012, something like that. 2013, 2014. Um, and one of the uh, the clear comments that came back to uh, to me from manufacturers when we did that research was we're, we're, we're pretty fed up of bankers coming out and kicking the machines drinking our coffee eating the biscuits but not really understanding either what is involved in a manufacturing business and the challenges that we face but also you just don't understand the language either you know when we talk about kaizen kanban and pokey systems and all that sort of good stuff you, you just go blank you don't know what a 5s meeting is um, you know, we lose some of that authenticity and that and that connection. Um, and, and so we did something about that and we engaged with the University of Warwick and the Warwick Manufacturing Group and all of the colleagues now um, that work with our manufacturing clients uh, go through a very comprehensive training program with the university and the Warwick Manufacturing Group uh, in order to understand the language, the supply change, the, uh, the challenges and the opportunities that the world of manufacturing um, sort of faces into. So uh, we responded by um, investing significantly and still continue to train colleagues to this day, 10 years later, and we've still got courses booked for next year for new colleagues coming into the teams across the UK to, uh, to work with manufacturers. So we've definitely listened and we've definitely responded and it has made a material difference because um, and that does help colleagues when they go to see a manufacturing business and they also get the excitement of asking for a factory tour and being shown around and understanding what's going on and uh, and can have those sort of conversations. Um, you know, it makes uh, a material difference. And, uh, and I think that is um, sort of fed back in the fact that we now have one in five of, our, of, the, uh, of the UK manufacturing community also now banking with us, which is, uh, you know, which is a real um a real real proud position to be in but equally one that comes with a huge amount of responsibility as well this talking industry episode is brought to you by smart futures the latest news from the only online portal dedicated to the future of digitalization visit smartfutures.org.uk yeah i mean uh, i would say that you know, a, a lot of SMEs are perhaps, um, so maybe not scared, but 
intimidated perhaps by approaching you know, a, a, a bank um, for large capital, especially in, during a time of a downturn and, and maybe thinking, am I going to be rejected? What's the point? So it's, I think the understanding, you know, kind of working with, um, you know, working with, with, uh, with yourself, for example, I think that definitely offers more of a face to, um, you know, to, to borrowing money. Um, but it's not all about well, borrowing money, though, is it? I mean, it's... Well, it's it's not, but we've um, just 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 picking up on that point, if I may. Um, we've also, um, you know, prided ourselves not just in manufacturing, but across our SME business, have been uh, what we what what we what we would call a through the cycle lender. So, um, you know, we um, you know we have always uh, sort of maintained, uh, you know, fairly consistent policies and uh, an appetite to support businesses. Um, you know, even in some of the most challenging times uh, that we've economically faced into, and, and we'll continue to do that. Um, you know, we know the importance um, of uh, of businesses, uh, you know, facing into challenges, and, um, and and equally, when you come out of a recessionary period, um, lots of businesses don't realise, but that is when potentially their cash can be most at risk. You know, more businesses face cash challenges when you emerge from a recessionary downturn and come out into high growth um, than what they will actually going into a, a recessionary period. And, you know, our managers are specifically trained to work with clients to, uh, you know, understand their cash flow uh, in order to help them avoid those pitfalls and put the right types of finance and, uh, and facilities into place to help them, um, you know, during those, uh, during those challenging times. Can I just, can I ask you what, your, are there any projects that you've worked on that you're, you're particularly proud of that you'd say over your career you think within manufacturing that you're uh, yep that is something I'm quite I'm quite pleased about yeah do you mean um, in terms of what we've done um, internally to develop the proposition or uh, you know with clients it could be it, it could be something that's developed or something that you've actually um, you know you've seen a company which you've 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 helped Kind of oh, wow, you know they've they've really flourished. We've helped them to 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 get to where they actually wanted to be. Yeah, I mean, I mean that there's, I mean, we, we we've got, um, you know, we're 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 very privileged that we've got so many ambitious um, sort of clients that are happy to share their stories, and um, you know, we've got some particularly exciting, uh, you know, developments uh, across the length and breadth of the country. Crikey, I'm just trying to remember. Um, specific names now. It's uh, you've caught me. Um, you've caught me on the hop there, having um, sort of not really um, sort of prepared anything specific uh, for this call. Um, I think let me let me just let me just get my uh, let me get my brain uh, sort of wandering uh, around the uh, the archives there. Let me let, if if I may, let me just tell you about something that that um, you know we are particularly proud of, um, sort of uh, propositionally and. Um, I referenced earlier when we started the conversation with manufacturers and, um, you know, we went out and we said, well, you know, what is it that we can help you with? How, you know, what are the big challenges that we face that what uh, we should be doing to work with you? And they talked about understanding the business and understanding the uh, the challenges that they face. But equally, they also said, I bet there's nothing you can do about this, but you need to understand that one of our biggest challenges, and it remains a significant challenge today, is the shortage of skills. Trying to find, um, you know, skills um, to come into the industry. 
Uh, and we and we thought about how we could actually um, help um, sort of resolve, um, well, not necessarily resolve, but contribute towards resolving this challenge for manufacturers. Um, and at the time, um, they were just setting up, government were just setting up the high value manufacturing catapults, uh, which uh, again, many of you listening in will be familiar with the, uh, the seven high value manufacturing catapults from uh, Glasgow, um, sort of Teesside, um, down into uh, into Sheffield, Coventry and Warwick in the Midlands, and then uh, down into Bristol. Uh, and each have got their areas of specialism. But um, we built um, a really strong relationship in the early stages of the foundation of the Manufacturing Technology Centre in Coventry. And uh, I remember talking to uh, to Clive Hickman, um, and uh, you know, whilst he was very proud of what they were building there, and that's an amazing business in its own right now, and gone on a hell of a growth journey itself uh, since it commenced its uh, its uh, it, its its own journey as a startup business um, sort of eight to ten years ago but uh, Clive said look we're going to build a training center because quite frankly it's no point having all this technology if nobody's skilled or being trained to use it um, and so we started um, a strategic partnership there and um, initially we invested one million pounds a year into the advanced manufacturing training center um, in order to support the uh, the funding to train and upskill and engineers, but in particular apprentices. Um, three or four years in, that was going so well, and the journey we were so pleased with and so proud to be associated with what the MTC and the uh, Advanced Manufacturing Training Centre were doing. Uh, we doubled that investment um, through to the end of 2024. So it was a 10-year, 10, 10 million pound investment. I think from memory at the time, it was probably the second biggest single sponsorship that Lloyds Banking Group had ever invested in. Um, and it was purely there invested to support manufacturers um, and the clients or the businesses that benefited from the engineer upskilling, from the apprentices that were going through the training program there did not need to be clients of ours. If we were going to truly help Britain prosper, this was about helping and supporting the sector. Uh, of course, it's always lovely when clients choose to bank with us and trust with it and trust us with their their banking and, and become a partner with us. But um, you know, this was purely about supporting the industry, and I'm delighted to say that we're on track, uh, you know, to exceed the training and the upskilling of three and a half thousand graduates, graduates, apprentices, and engineers by the end of 2024. So, you know, a long-term commitment uh, and putting our money where our mouth is to help the industry. Um, you know, support one of the biggest challenges that they said they were facing into at the time and still do. So I'm certainly very, very proud of that. And in fact, one of the um, uh, one of the winners uh, of this year's National uh, Apprentice of the Year Award, we put a special category in for SMEs, not just manufacturers, but for SMEs nationally. And one of the nominees there that uh, actually ended up winning the award um from a, a local coventry based um sort of business called technoset uh was tyler gillespie and um you know we were very proud to hand him the award of uh, sme apprentice of the year only a couple of months ago um and he uh, went through his training um at the uh, advanced manufacturing training center at the mtc in coventry so super super proud of uh, of moments like that and uh, um, you know, many, many more uh, to follow, I hope. Well, that's definitely something to be proud of. So, <laughs> I mean, you, you focus a lot, of, obviously, from, from your role within the S, well, looking at SMEs. Um, what would you say then, 
you know, that you're finding are some of the most challenging problems for SMEs. Obviously, we have energy, um, but if we took sort of energy to one side for a moment, are there any other issues which you would say are, you know, still very challenging for? for yeah, yeah, without a doubt, the uh, the sector, um, you know, is facing some significant headwinds. Um, and I guess our job is to try and find some tailwinds to uh, push them through those uh, those challenges and help them through those challenges. But um, you mentioned energy, but more broadly, um, you know, inflationary um, sort of pressures uh, and costs generally uh, are uh, impacting manufacturers significantly, uh, without a doubt. Um, they are also facing some significant challenges around shipping of raw materials, both uh, inbound uh, raw materials through their supply chains um, but also um, sort of outbound you know shipping seems to be taking a lot longer than what it did um, sort of 18 24 months ago uh, the cost of shipping containers has grown significantly um, and forgive me i may not be entirely um, accurate uh, with this but certainly anecdotal feedback from a number of manufacturers is telling me Three or four years ago, they were paying two or three thousand dollars a container from uh, Southeast Asia. Uh, you know, they're now breaking well through twenty thousand dollars a container from the same time and taking an awful lot longer um, as well. So, so shipping, uh, the costs of shipping, um, availability of raw materials, and trying to source um, sort of new suppliers of raw materials is a significant challenge. I mentioned earlier the skills challenges. Um, it's starting to sound a really downbeat um, sort of terrible environment to operate in, isn't it? But guess what? Um, the one thing that 30 odd years of working alongside manufacturers has told me is that they're one of the most agile and resilient sectors that we've got the privilege to have in the uh, in the UK economy. Um, you know, when one door shuts, another opens for them because they find the keys to another door. Um, they uh, they just seem to find new ways to operate. They seem to find new ways to reduce costs and to um, you know open doors into new markets, whether it be within the UK or overseas. So super agile, super resilient, um, and uh, you know they just they, they do just seem to find a way. So uh, um, you know it's not without its challenges, uh, without a doubt, but. Um, uh, you know, and they are facing some significant headwinds. Um, but I've got every confidence uh, that they will continue, um, you know, to find those agile ways of um, ebbing and flowing, uh, you know, those choppy seas and, um, and, and, and get through it. And I, I think the one thing with supply chain challenges, um, you know, could lead us to a significant opportunity in the UK, and that's uh, the effectively reshoring some of those supply chains. You know, how do we explore what we potentially have got the capability and the capacity to manufacture here in the UK? You know, that will have a significant impact on the uh, the carbon footprint of some of these businesses as well, if they can uh, manufacture in local conurbations more so than it ending up in, uh, in you know, in shipping containers or uh, even on uh, airplanes um, across the world. So. There's a, uh, there's a benefit to the carbon footprint. There's a benefit to reduce transportation costs. We have got a reputation, a global reputation for being super innovative and creating world quality materials and goods. So, um, you know, there's, uh, there's a, I think there's a real opportunity there for reshoring. And I know a number of businesses, um, you know, are exploring those opportunities. 
not just for their own business growth and expansion and diversity, but equally to support, uh, you know, other manufacturers in the UK where, uh, you know, getting hold of raw materials is becoming particularly challenging in some circumstances. I mean, you mentioned um, carbon footprint, and I, and I know you're particularly interested in environmental energy at zero concerns. Mm. I mean, that, that, that's obviously an opportunity as well as a, a, a negative at, at this moment where everyone's worried about how it's going to, um, you know, energy costs going up. We're all worried about that. But it's also, I mean, you, you must see it yourself that it's potentially an opportunity for, for, um, for manufacturers to take, to take advantage of going forward. Oh, it is. It, Aaron, it, it is without a doubt, um, and, and lots are already doing that. Um, you know, we've got some fantastic stories of clients, um, you know, coming to us for investment to, um, I, I guess that there's a number of stages to that investment as well, if I, if I may just rewind um, sort of 10 or 15 seconds. Um, we, we, we did a little bit of research and, um, and, and authored a small report last November around that manufacturer's um, sort of journey to net zero. Um, we find that many manufacturers um, are, are crystal clear that they, they know that they've got to go on this journey, um, both in terms of doing the right thing, um, but equally to stay competitive in supply chains that are equally going to become, if not already, uh, will become just as demanding on them reducing their carbon footprint in the materials that they use, the, uh, uh, the processes that they undertake. Um, and, and so, um, you know, businesses, uh, you know, generally start with some um, sort of tactical uh, initiatives, um, as in, you know, they'll, they'll think about solar panels, they'll think about converting their small vehicle fleet to electric vehicles. Uh, you know, they'll, um, they'll, they'll generally start to engage colleagues around the factory floor uh, to come up with those innovative ideas. You know, the answers tend to be out there, no different to the, the 5S meeting um, on sort of things like lean productivity. You know, they're now adding, um, you know, an extra section to that, that 5S meeting and starting to talk about sustainability and carbon reduction, excuse me, and carbon reduction. Um, then they'll start to think about how they measure. Um, and, uh, you know, that is a challenge. Um, you know, lots of businesses are struggling to really get their head around how they measure. Scope one and scope two, probably a little bit more straightforward, but scope three, uh, when you start to think about the indirect impacts that are created and the fact that you may have to report into uh, another supply chain scope three reporting will soon put some significant demands, I think, on many manufacturers. So it's good that we're seeing so many already on that journey to net zero and thinking about that. Um, then, it, then it's about the more strategic um, sort of uh, challenges and, and starting to think around the circular economy and uh, how do they, um, you know, change the materials with which they manufacture things out of so that they can become circular and um, and, and, and sort of, uh, sort of uh, reused again at the end of its useful life cycle. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating journey, but equally those that are starting to um, sort of make inroads into that. And again, we can think of a number of, uh, you know, fabulous stories um, uh, of, of businesses investing to reduce their carbon footprint through energy by investing into solar and becoming more attractive to their supply chains. Um, there's, a, there's an amazing story of an ice cream manufacturer down in the southeast actually called Jude's Ice Cream. And uh, they, uh, I believe, um, produce one of the world's only, or certainly one of the world's first carbon negative 
uh, ice cream. Um, so uh, you know, there's some there's some serious innovation going on, um, and it um, you know it, it does make them um, you know a more attractive supplier. So without a doubt, there is uh, there's some significant opportunities. And and I guess finally on the skills agenda, we know that manufacturers are finding it a challenge to find skills to come into their businesses sometimes. Actually, some are now telling us that when they do their interviews for apprenticeship roles or, uh, or, or, or youngsters to come into their business, they're having the tables turned on them and the interview um, starts to go from interviewing the candidate to the candidate interviewing the uh, employer and asking them about their green credentials and what are they doing to reduce carbon because they're interested in what a future employer may be doing and they're choosing to work for people uh, that have got more carbon credentials than those that haven't so um, for a number of fronts new opportunities the right thing to do um, surviving in the supply chains in the long term but equally to meet the demands of future employees um, you know so it, it is the right thing to do but it is equally creating opportunities for those that are starting on that journey um, and, and the most important thing I think is just starting somewhere uh, because then it evolves and uh, you start to realize uh, you can learn from each other's you know supply chain collaboration is uh, equally important so uh, there's some fabulous opportunities out there and we try to play our part in that by uh, you know making the funding cheaper for those that uh, choose to invest uh, you know by um, removing arrangement fees reducing interest rates for those that are investing in green purposes whether that be more efficient plant and machinery or uh, you know, investing into their buildings to uh, improve the uh, uh, the carbon efficiency. It sounds to me like um, manufacturers really can't afford to not um, to go down the route. No, I agree. Unfortunately, time's um, running out. So I'd just like to ask you one final question. What are your hopes for UK manufacturing over the next five years? <laughs> hopes over the next five years? Well, I certainly hope that uh, we continue to see the strength and the agility uh, and the determination that we've uh, had in this sector for so many years. Um, you know, it's that that will get us through. But equally, if we can capitalize on some of those reshoring opportunities, um, support each other with great collaboration to become a real green manufacturing industry in the UK, without a doubt that will create new opportunities, both uh, closer to home and in new markets overseas. Uh, you know, which will uh, which will support the uh, the industry go from strength to strength. That by far, at the moment, on top of everything else, is the biggest challenge that the sector faces into. However, uh, in my opinion, it's also one of the biggest opportunities as well. That's uh, food for thought. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Dave. Um, uh, thanks for your time. It's been absolutely fantastic speaking to you. And um, good luck with everything. And um, hopefully we'll speak again very soon. I'm thank sure you. we will. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. No, it's been, it's been fantastic. Thanks. This Talking Industry episode is brought to you by Smart Futures. The latest news from the only online portal dedicated to the future of digitalization. Visit smartfutures.org.uk. Thank you for listening to Talking Industry. Stay tuned across all podcast apps, follow us on social, subscribe to our newsletters, and keep up to date at talkingindustry.org.